0: And just like that, the Knicks are back. The Knicks won their third straight game Monday night, beating the Lakers following a thrilling comeback win on Friday at the Garden. We'll discuss the much-needed win streak, the final stretch of games, and the MSG experience being at the arena. We also will chat with a point guard from New York, NBA champion, and the new coach of Hofstra basketball, Speedy Claxton. Lots to do. Let's get to it next on Big Apple Buckets from the New York Post.
1: They
0: are the New York Knicks. Welcome back to Big Apple Buckets, our New York Knicks podcast from the New York Post. I'm your host Sal Licata, alongside my co-host, former Knicks NBA big man Jerome the What's <laughs> <from laughs> of, <laughs> of <laughs> JYD. Subscribe. Happening. Subscribe to Big Apple Buckets wherever you get your podcasts. But please rate us five stars and write a nice review on Apple Podcasts. We appreciate the continued support. JYD, here we are, Knicks. 28 and 27 through 55 games who would have thought that currently sitting in the eighth seed they could go anywhere from four down to ten that's how close it is in the eastern conference they are a half game currently behind the celtics and the hornets for sixth and seventh seed if you're listening to this tuesday as we record it they're one game back of the heat for the fifth seed and of course as i mentioned a game and a half behind the hawks for the fourth seed you know anything can happen here as you look at it down the stretch 17 games to go we are just two wins away here we are it's crazy crazy how time flies. Here we are. I mean, we've done these podcasts now for weeks, and we started early on talking about how the Knicks needed to get to 30 wins so we could go for our steak dinner. They were at 27 right now, JYD. Two wins from our steak dinner, wherever that may be. They've won three straight. We thought they were headed in the wrong direction, starting to lose steam. Didn't add at the deadline. Randall petering out a little bit. But here they are. They bounce back. They take a punch. They get back up again.
2: Well, the thing I love about this team is – you know i was a little worried after the celtics game you lose a game by one possession it's it's just the worst feeling especially going into this week where we knew which we predicted they had to at least split but the boston celtics game was something that they could definitely win but if they didn't it was going to be a tough week they come back and have an overtime game against memphis and they only had they almost had four players hitting 20 points you had rj barrett with 20 you had alec burks with 19 you had Quigley with 20, and you had D. Rose with 19. That told me that this was they were back on that horse. They were getting ready to take it home and they're getting ready to bring home the steak. Well, the how, steak, Jake. How, the, yeah, right. We getting get ready ready for, to happen. I mean, that's just
0: that's just a formality at this point. There's no chance we're not getting the 30. And obviously it's gonna be more than that. And the expectations have raised. You know, you mentioned JYD, the tough loss to the Celtics. They've had a bunch of tough close losses we have a couple to the nets the one that they shouldn't have blown weeks ago to the timberwolves but how about the exciting comeback you mentioned the numbers how about the comeback against memphis and really that was a springboard they're down big in that game friday night you're thinking you know friday night at the garden i know producer jake was there we'll get his thoughts in a little bit but You come back from being down in the third quarter to come back and get that victory. That kind of gave them new life in this season. And they go out there and have a good performance on Sunday against Toronto. And then last night on Monday night against the Lakers, another strong performance, even though they didn't get top scoring, uh, you know, a top performance from R.J. Barrett. But you think that that type of comeback win in the electric atmosphere, even with limited capacity at
2: the Garden, can springboard a team, J.Y.D.? Absolutely. I think think I'm giving this credit to Tibbs, because that mental toughness to come back against a team after losing a tough game, like I said, against Boston, then having to come in and battle this team, Memphis, who is obviously, you know, they're no slouch. I mean, John ja Morant, he's everything that he's built up to be. I mean, this particular game, I mean, he comes out, he he's doing it. But at the end of the day, Dylan Brooks, 23 points, my former high school phenom out of Finley Prep, who I coached. You know, it was, it was, it was just a great win, a great comeback. And then, you know, to carry that over the next night against Toronto, another close game, but that mental, you know, that intestinal fortitude, playing that defense, end of the game. Siakam comes down, double dribble, like on right. a fast break. Like that, it was those kind of plays that, like, you know, you see them getting at the end of games that help them to, you know, obviously get the win.
0: And we could talk about within the season, you know, as far as the Knicks being able to take a punch just when we thought they were starting to struggle, losing five of six or whatever it was, going in the wrong direction here down the stretch with a tough schedule ahead with being tired as a team, potentially. But even within a game, they have shown they could take a punch and get back. That Toronto game, the Knicks had a big lead. Then all of a sudden, the Raptors come back and not only come all the way back, they come back and take the lead. And the Knicks still respond and end up getting that victory. And how about Monday night, Julius Randle just lighting it up against his former team? mentioned R.J. Barrett didn't have a strong night. And, J.Y.D., the Knicks' margin for error we know is not great. In games past, the Knicks could not overcome R.J. Barrett having a seven-point night. They need both Randall to dominate and R.J. Barrett to be the consistent scorer that he has become. Otherwise, they're not going to win a game like that. But they didn't. Uh, lose that game they won that game with good effort from Peyton and New Noel had a terrific game and Derrick Rose and Julius Randle though led the way against his former team how about the motivation from Julius Randle going against the team that kind of gave up on him
2: yeah you obviously you know you know he's coming in with the eye of the tiger but I will say this he's been doing that all year so that's our all-star let me give a shout out a dog pound shout out to almost a double double guy who came out of nowhere, Taj Gibson. The Taj Mahal was in, in business. Eight points, 10 rebounds coming off the bench. That is what we're talking about. That's the playoff basketball that the Knicks need, you know, especially against good teams if they're going to get over the hump because that's, that's found money. That's found money. When he's able to come in and bring that kind of energy, help the team, Obviously, with everybody else doing their part. And to your point, RJ didn't have the best game. So somebody had to pick up the slack. So I think it was Taj Gibson.
0: Two things. Uh, real quick before we get to RJ Barrett, you mentioned Taj Gibson, and I love it. And you and I have been talking about these role players all year long: New Orleans, Noel, Taj Gibson, Alfred Payton. For some reason, the fans, I mean, I get Mitchell Robinson has potential, but neurons Noel and Taj Gibson have done well. But for some reason, the fans, they're like, oh, Taj Gibson, why even bother with him? Or they can't stand Alfred Payton, who, Alfred Payton's a solid player. He gives you solid minutes. He plays hard-nosed defense. He can attack the rim. He's not going to score 20 every night. I get it. He's not the most exciting offensive player that there is. Peyton's been solid. They have some solid guys here. And credit to Thibodeau for not folding to the pressure of the fans. He doesn't care what the fans or the media say about forcing Emmanuel quickly in the starting lineup or giving Emmanuel quickly more minutes when he's clearly struggling. He's going to stick with his guys that he knows there's a reason they're here. Gibson, Peyton, guys like that, they produce. They've done their jobs. They've filled their roles very well here. It's a big reason why the Knicks are where they are at this point.
2: It is. It is. And Everett Peyton is a huge reason for that. I think the New York fans, you know, they're fascinated with storylines. They're fascinated with guys with a lot of attitude and a lot of zest and, and zeal. When it comes to being a point guard in New York, they're more in tune with the flash and the pizzazz. When you don't bring that and you bring just sort of like that solid lunch pail work of just getting it done in a quiet way, quiet fashion. Albert Payton is, is all about the business. He just gets it done and it shows in his work but fans just don't get excited about it. Maybe it's
0: unfortunate. Maybe it's the unfortunate. most important thing that we've seen this season – has been the incredible improvement in in such a short period of time with rj barrett now i know he struggled against the lakers on monday but overall jyd my goodness i mean the question was will rj barrett ever be able to develop the outside shot consistently that has already been answered now it's not can rj barrett improve at the free throw line or improve from three-point range now we know He can because he already has. Now the question is, how much more can he improve improve, and how much, you know, how consistent will he be with these type of performances moving forward? I'll tell you. As somebody who was a doubter, never again his work ethic or his makeup or his maturity, I've always liked that. But I didn't think Barrett was going to be able to shoot as well as he's done, certainly in this limited time. JYD, I now believe he is a legitimate all-star next season. I think R.J. Barrett, I mean, you show, you see what he's done here in less than two years, the improvement. Why would you doubt him? I think R.J. Barrett, who's been playing like an all-star, I think he's actually going to be an all-star as soon as next year.
2: Speaking into existence, Sal, <laughs> that's, an, that's an all-star. And I tell you why he's an all-star. Because he's got that chip swag. He got a chip on his shoulder, man. He played with Zion Williamson, who is getting all of the, not the, the NBA stamp of approval from East Coast to West Coast. And he said, wait a minute. I led Duke. I was the man. And it's the same thing. Zion gets the shine. Now he's in the NBA. Zion is kicking butt and taking numbers. But his team isn't doing as well as the Knicks. And he's saying to himself, what do I have to do? You can see the chip growing. So yes, I do agree with him being an all-star. I do say he's going to continue to improve because that's been his career. He's looked over. He's not taking it lightly. He's saying to himself, I'm going to show you better than I can tell you. Let my work speak for myself.
0: I'll tell you, Stark. I don't think that there's a player in the league. And, and he's converted me, clearly. Uh, I thought it was ever anti-Barrett. It was always just, okay, well, he's not Zion or John Morant. That was my biggest issue with him. And then the fact that he's a shooting guard who, oh, by the way, has trouble shooting. And the great strength of his is getting to the rim, but he couldn't hit free throws. So that's why I was turned off in the beginning. But you hear him speak, and you get to understand that he's mature way beyond his age. You love the work ethic. As Thibodeau said, it is top-notch with R.J. Barrett. But there's not a player, JYD, that I think represents this city better than R.J. Barrett when you talk about his attitude, his maturity, his work ethic, the fact that he's been doubted. How about disrespect? It's one thing for the fans or the media to question R.J. Barrett. He's getting disrespected by his peers, Anthony Bennett. uh, Anthony Bennett with Minnesota saying, oh, we wanted R.J. How would that feel as a former player to have one of your own taking you out at that age? That's got to be, you talk about having a chip on your shoulder, that's got to motivate you to another level.
2: Well, you talk about the stock, right? His dad, I played against him at St. John. This guy was a two guard that could light it up. Then his dad goes on to be the president of Canada basketball. Like he's been groomed. He's been taught. he's He's been, he, you know, his godfather is Steve Nash. This dude, he, I mean, I know these things because of course I am dog pound. So I'm, I mean, I'm, I do have to know these things so I can tell the people. But the people have to understand. You got a gem here. He's going to be in the league for a long time. He's gonna be an all star because that's the type of work he's coming from. His dad gave us buckets at Georgetown. So I already know his son gonna you know gonna do the same thing in the league. Just let that. It's like that gumbo, Sal, Jake. It's that gumbo that's mixing up. Right. It's not done yet. It's just it's just get it's in the incubation period, and it's gonna it's gonna all mesh together for championships. Let's You're getting me about, hungry
3: now. Now I want some lobster. I know you or something. get
2: hungry with those fat cheeks, Jake. <laughs> That's how you go. But the gumbo is coming, and you just gotta Savage. wait on it, Jake. You can't. You can't just start slurping it now. You gotta wait. So producer Jake
0: was was in the house on Friday night against the Grizzlies. What a game to go to, Jake. Give, and the Knicks have been tremendous at home. Twelve and four in their last sixteen at msg and they got a nice stretch of home games coming up here after they go to new orleans on wednesday and then dallas on friday they are home for six straight before hitting the road in may for what should be the difficult home stretch of this schedule but producer jake talk about how electric it was even without full
3: capacity at the garden for that comeback win on friday versus the grizz oh man the place you know a lot of the game wasn't too exciting the knicks were down double digits they were they would inch closer but you never felt like they had a shot because it was just John Moran, John Moran, John Moran. And then fourth quarter, I'm like, how is this happening? I mean, they were down double digits in the fourth quarter. And then when they start to come back, all it really takes with the Garden is a dunk. And Obi Toppin threw down a dunk on a follow-up that was his only points of the game that started to get fans kind of back in the game. A little bit. I think they went into the fourth quarter down seven and you started feeling a little bit better. And then double digits, single digits, double digits, then single digits, then within two buckets, then within one bucket. And what really did it was the Grizzlies just kept missing free throws. And that's what it really came down to is that they put the Knicks back into the game. And you want to talk about the guy that got picked ahead of... Uh, RJ Barrett, RJ Barrett was showing John ja Moran up in crunch time. You know, John ja Moran got some phantom foul calls. They called a foul where he clearly got blocked against the rim, and then luckily missed a free throw. A lot of foul calls at the end of that game. But then the plays got rocking. The final 90 seconds, the Knicks were down six. They got it to three, and then they tied it. And I'll tell you, I did not expect. And this is what we talk about—the growth of the RJ Barrett. I did not expect him to make all three free throws, and yeah. he did. And he did, and the place went crazy. And then Ja Morant, you know, they had the the grizzly strategy was let's throw it in the backcourt. Let's have Ja run the length of the floor because he's super fast and get to the rack. And it worked to perfection, and he missed a gimme. I mean, he had a guy on him, but it was a wide-open six-footer that he missed. And then overtime came, and the Knicks started making threes. And I tweeted this during the game. Another player I called Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde is Alec Burks because During that game, he was just turning it over, making terrible passes, taking awful shots. And then in overtime, he's draining threes. And I'm like, I'm sorry, my lord and savior, Alec Burks. He came out of nowhere, and he lived up to the Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde name. because He heard you, Jake. He heard that hate coming. Three quarters of the game, he sucks it up. And then a quarter of the game, when you need him, he's he's the best player on the floor. So a lot of credit to Alec Burks for in the clutch. But yeah, R.J. Barrett, he, I had the same feeling as you, Sal. I thought he was okay. I didn't think he was ever gonna be John Morant superstar. He may never never still be that, but man, has he progressed and he's fun to watch. And that place in fourth quarter overtime, it did not feel like eighteen hundred. It felt like ten thousand plus were in that building.
0: Maybe he doesn't have the raw athleticism, the raw ability of Zion or John Morant, but that work ethic takes him to another level and he doesn't have to be Zion Williamson or John Morant. He's just gotta be the best RJ Barrett, and I'll tell you right now. And you're right, producer Jake, those three free throws, you know, we've seen him get better, obviously. Wasn't just that one game. We've seen him get better and continue to hit the outside shot, loves that corner three, improving at the free throw line, which dates back to the preseason. However, those three free throws in the clutch with the issues that he's had, we've seen him struggle down the stretch of games. That it gives me goosebumps thinking about it. that to me won me over. That was all I needed to see. Now, I believe that he's going to take his game to another level. That's how good he's been. And look, guys, we talk about, the, the, there's 17 games left here. So it's no more, oh, will the Knicks hang on? Are they going to be this good? There are, there are 17 games left. That's it. And they have a bunch of home games, as we've talked about here. You look at the schedule, I think the Knicks could do some damage. I mean, the way that they're playing defense with the emergence of RJ Barrett, the way they're You know, have Noel and Taj Gibson filling the void left by Mitchell Robinson, getting solid production from both Alfred Payton and Derrick Rose. Remember, they're doing this even without Emmanuel Quickly or Obi Toppin even being really factors. And forget about Kevin Knox. We know he's lost cause. But, I mean, look at what the Knicks have done here. Their schedule, I'm now looking at this. When I was saying earlier in the year, you know, the Knicks probably realistically would be between 7 and 10. I think there is a realistic chance they can get up there in the four, five, six range. That's how impressed I've been with this team, the way they're playing, JYD. Is that realistic to think that they can be one of those top six teams, or you still think more so seven through ten?
2: I'm thinking there is a possibility. When we look at what the top four, five through team, they're actually only two and a half games out of fourth place. Right. You look at you it you really look at it.
0: Yeah, the, and, the, and, right. Two Two in the loss column behind the Hawks. So you know there's going to be a lot of position, uh, you know, jockeying for position there down the stretch. And they play these teams. Charlotte, Atlanta. I mean, they have a couple of games with Charlotte. They have one game with Atlanta. Chicago, they still play. Toronto, they still play. Boston, they still play. So they have a lot of these teams. You know, and we look at the road trip. At Houston, that's a winnable game. At Memphis, a winnable game. At Denver, now all of a sudden different because of Jamal Murray unfortunately being out. So, you know, who knows what the Lakers' health is going to be. Maybe all of a sudden that six-game road trip is not going to be as daunting as it once looked. They have a shot here. The key
3: key is beating the teams they should, guys, because they have six games against – Under 500, 11 over 500. So, and listen, Denver without Jamal Murray is still a good team. They made moves at the deadline. They got Aaron Gordon. So that's not, you know, an easy game. It's really going to come down to that road trip. They have the six-game homestand. We rarely see this, guys. You have a six-game homestand and a six-game road trip uh, all remaining in the last 17 games that's bizarre to me I don't know how the schedule ended up like that but they do have more home than road games and listen they're 12 and 4 in the last 16 home games they're dominating home court the fans are back they got Jake Brown screaming defense defense let's go Nick's. I mean I the fan the home court advantage is a big deal you saw the players getting amped up at times so uh the when when they are home they do have more home games say they go seven and two in those home games they should be in good pretty good shape but like you said you want to get those six because the play in tournament does scare me I'm still surprised Charlotte has played this well you know after losing LaMelo Ball it's almost like nothing happened to them but you are seeing Boston really starting to get hot now you're seeing Atlanta getting hot you know the Heat have the talent to be a team that can make the Eastern Conference Finals so it's not like I know the records think they're they're lined up similar but I think the Celtics are Heat are really upper echelon teams with the playoff pedigree that teams like the Hornets and Knicks and Pacers don't really have as much.
2: That's right. It's a numbers game. It's a numbers game. We just got to keep hammering away. And I might have to even pay a visit on some of those road trips out west while they're out here. Which ones? You which
0: ones could you go to? JY Phoenix. I mean, what one? Oh no, Clippers. I guess which one is uh, realistic? You got Clippers
2: you? and Lakers back. You know, they're in there two yeah. three days apart. Sunday it and might... Tuesday. That's right. I imagine
3: yeah. it now. Staples Center. Jack Nicholson. Jerome Williams
2: sitting oh, courtside. My there man. it is. Dog <laughs> pound. Let's Jake, go. Jake, what'd you eat at the, uh, at the garden? The
3: food is so limited. I mean, for, for me and, and JYD called me out with my chubby cheeks over here. Jeez. <laughs> talk about, I, I, I go to Mets walk off home opener, Nick's classic Friday, and catch a home run Saturday. And now I'm getting called chubby cheeks on Tuesday. So, you know, my week has turned around, <laughs> but uh, I had uh what are, I had chicken f- fingers and fries again, no popcorn. Cause it's like the, like when we had Alex on here, the, the hand food, the pick at it. That's really all they have hot dogs, chicken fingers, burgers they didn't even have the waffle fries they had the regular fries like come on they used to have the great waffle fries there no pastrami you get your drinks i had a white claw make fun of me all you want love a good white claw uh but yeah very very limited and you have to like fill out an online survey when you get in even though i was vaccinated you have to fill out a survey survey make sure you didn't have any COVID symptoms or anything the last two weeks so it is a little bit of process but once you're in uh it's pretty easy
0: interesting they make you fill out a survey before you get in the building
3: outside yeah in that tunnel area they're like scan you have to scan this the, everything's scan you scan a menu you scan a survey it's always scanning if your phone dies you're pretty much a lost cause at this point in humanity right. and, and my phone has been dying i gotta keep it charged but uh you have to scan this survey and fill out like four questions it took my dad like 10 minutes he's like i can't see my glasses aren't on
0: So everything is
3: contactless
0: yeah, yeah i know I, I get it but it is annoying all right well the upcoming schedule we mentioned it Wednesday at New Orleans taking on the Pelicans and then Friday at Dallas visiting our former friend Kristaps Porzingis before they return home for that six-game homestand and then hit the road for a six-game road trip right now Knicks in a good spot they're gonna make the playoffs it's just a matter of where they finish in that Eastern Conference 28 and 27 two wins away from our Big Apple Buckets Steak Dinner. Coming up, we're going to talk to Speedy Claxton, the head coach of Hofstra men's basketball. We'll have some fun with him and talking about uh, his days as a fan of those 90s Knicks basketball team and also, obviously, what he's going to do with the Hofstra pride coming up as the
3: head coach. All right, this show, guys, is Big Apple Buckets. And yes, this is Jake Brown leading this interview because it's my guy on the show. Rarely do we have... The pride of Hofstra on Big Apple Buckets. And listen, guys, you can't talk Big Apple Buckets without talking the streets of Queens, streets of New York, and point guards. And this guy went to Christ the King High School. He went to Hofstra University, class of 2000. He took Hofstra to the NCAA tournament. He would go on and win an NBA championship with the San Antonio Spurs in 2003. He played in the league for multiple teams from the Sixers to the Warriors to New Orleans to Atlanta. But... He spent 8 seasons as an assistant coach at Hofstra University and now Speedy Claxton will be leading the Hofstra Pride men's basketball team as their new head coach. Speedy, welcome to Big Apple Buckets. Jake Brown, Salacata and the Junkyard Dog here. Congrats on uh, I know that you've been waiting you. uh, waiting a long time on this, bro. Congrats on the job.
1: Yeah, thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate it so much. Yeah. This was a dream of mine for so long. And I- so thankful for the
3: opportunity. It's, it's funny, guys, because me, me, and you spoke speedy brought, probably a year ago, like around today, on Instagram yes, Live when, yes, when I was yes. in my old apartment in the pandemic, bored as hell. Everything's closed <laughs> in the house, bored, and I'm in the house bored. However, that song goes. Uh, <laughs> and I said to you, I said, you know, Mahalik's getting a little old. You know, he had he obviously had the health problem, health concerns last year, and and didn't coach and if he goes, would you be the guy? And you said, you know, I think you would love the opportunity, but you love Joe, you're learning from him. One year later, you are now the head coach. What a whirlwind and a job that uh, you wanted your whole life.
1: Yes, yeah, this last year has been crazy with the whole COVID situation and the coach getting sick. I mean, now I'm the head coach. I mean, it's just been a wild, wild year. <laughs>
2: Man, it's I'm sure it has, bro. Good um, but I'm certainly glad you added to the list of African American coaches in the NCAA. Um, but well, let's talk a little bit about, you know, when you were growing up, what point guards did you look up to? Because you know, I played with a lot of a lot of New York guards and there's a lot of infamous uh players that were on the streets at the time. A little older than you, but but actually I want to hear from you. Who who did you actually go to battle with? Some of the
1: guys some of the guys I looked up to. Definitely Mark Jackson, Rod Strickland, Kenny Anderson, Kenny Smith, even Steph Marbury to a certain point. You know, he was only one year older than me, but definitely still looked up to him because, you know, he was such a, a big figure of New York basketball at that time. So those guys, people that I definitely looked up to and thankful that I was able to get to the NBA as, as well as like them.
2: What's your uh, number one Rucker Park
1: story? Number one Rucker Park. Actually, you know honestly, I never played at Rucker Park because I lived so far in Long Island so when I was younger I couldn't I couldn't commute there. And then once I got older and got into the league, I tore my ACL my first year, so I couldn't play on concrete anymore. So I was fortunate enough not to be able to play out there.
0: Speedy, how about growing up on Long Island at the peak of the Knicks uh existence, right? Well, at least from our generation. You and I are similar in age. And you know, not around to see the, the 70s teams and the championship team of 73, but those 90s Knicks own this city. How much of an impact did they have on you as a young player, to, you know, wanting to play in the NBA or going to college and all that stuff? How much impact did the 90s Knicks have on you?
1: A uh, huge impact. Are you kidding me? Like, I grew up a Knicks fan, I loved Patrick Ewan and Gerald Wilkins, Mark Jackson, Xavier, Xavier McDaniels, Charles Oakley, Charles Smith. Like, that was my team. Like, that was, I, I remember, like, it used to hurt every time Michael and the Bulls used to knock us out. It definitely inspired me to make it to the NBA. And it was a goal of mine. And getting to play in Madison Square Garden was just the ultimate experience.
3: What made you choose, Hofstra Speedy, over some of the other schools or if there were other schools recruiting you? What what stood out? Obviously, close to home, but what what other reasons uh, made you go there?
1: Well, it was the whole uh, Big Fair, Small Pond. Type thing, you know. I wanted to go somewhere where it was gonna not all be about me, but it's gonna be, be about me. You know, growing up, I was kind of always overshadowed. I was teammates with Lamar Odom and Eric Barkley, so they used to get a lot of shine. So I didn't get the attention that I think I deserved. And even with AAU basketball, I still Lamar was still on my team, and Malik Allen was on my team. So I was still playing with high level guys. So I was kind of always looked over, and I didn't want that to. To be the for the rest of my career, so I was like, you no, know, I want to go somewhere a little smaller and then kind of be the man. So that's why I chose Hofstra, and then Coach Wright, Jay Wright, who who's the head coach at Villanova right now, he's the head coach here, and he did he just did a terrific job of recruiting me. Honestly, what
3: was it about Christ the King High School that's so special? I mean, there's so many legends that go there. I mean, what is the aura around? I did public address announcing there once, and you could feel the aura in the gym. What is it about it? And you know, how special were your memories? at such an iconic high school here in New York.
1: That's a special thing, that we produce great players, and not just on the men's side, but on the women's side as well. You got Shereepa Holtz or Sue Bird. So it's just a a big basketball-rich tradition school. You always have studs coming out of there year in, year out, so people want to be a part of that.
0: Speedy, is it fair to say, at least from my perspective, who you know, I grew up loving those nineties Knicks teams, I grew up listening to WFAN in New York, I wasn't really familiar with the Hofstra basketball program at all, until you took over and started dominating those years when you got to Hofstra, 96 through 2000. Is it fair to say you put that program on the map? I know you've donated money since and helped to renovate that arena. And I know Jay Wright was a great head coach and obviously he's gone on to do tremendous things here. Uh, and the program has been set up nicely really since you left. But is it fair to say you as a player put that program on the map?
3: Flex on him, Speedy. Talk to him.
1: <laughs> no, it's definitely. Give him sure. that. dog oh, okay. uh, <laughs> count <laughs> <laughs> nobody knew where House of Was or anything about House before I decided to come here. It was a little school on the island that nobody paid attention to. They wasn't big in the basketball world. And when I decided to come here, a lot of, of my friends and even some of my family members was like,
2: You going where?
1: Like, why are you going there? You got St John's on you, Cedar Hall, Georgia Tech. So I don't know, it was just something something special about this place and the staff that drew me to here and I mean, I made it a a huge place, and I'm thankful – that they were able to bring me back and now i'm leaving the program
3: it was those hempstead turnpike strip bars speedy that reeled you in you know the <laughs> penny beers 18 and drink oh i'm in uh you know show your college id get a discount at sitco exactly. i'm in get a four those, loco for two dollars with eight quarters i'm in uh so that so that's what reeled reeled you in and you know i i think it's big that you're the coach because there is something and we had penny hardaway on the show or you know early in the season guys there is something to a, a college uh, an NBA player who had success in the NBA who's won a championship that reels players in. People want to come there. You know, they might not love Long Island per se, but there's still 30 minutes from New York City and you still have so many things in the area and such a, you know, number one market that that reels people in as well, but you being a, an NBA player that won a championship, that's got to bring in a lot more recruits to Hofstra and, you know, get us back on the map. Yeah,
1: definitely. I mean, that's the ultimate goal. For a lot of these kids, you see firsthand that I did it from here. So why can't you? I have the blueprint. So you just, most of these kids, you just got to follow it and come in and play hard. And two years ago, I put a kid into the league, Justin Wright-Forman. He got drafted by Utah. So it's not just me. Uh, guys after me have done it as well. Also Charles Jenkins, who was pretty much like a little after me, he got drafted by Utah, Golden State also. So so guys are having the opportunity to make it to the NBA from here,
2: and that's that's unique because when when you're able to come in and and actually give them that blueprint and show them what you were able to do and able to accomplish in your career, how does that affect the families when you go out and recruit them?
1: They know that they're gonna believe in me. I'm not just saying something just to say it. The proof is in the pudding. Like, look here, this is, this is what it is. <laughs> I'm not just saying. I'm not I'm not just trying to speak it into existence. This is actual facts. So it, it definitely gives me credibility when I'm going into these homes and trying to recruit these young men.
0: What's the biggest challenge that you face, Speedy? Is it local competition? I mean, Stony Brook has developed themselves into a really nice program. You have Columbia, New York, obviously Manhattan. What's the biggest challenge for you? Is it trying to convince people that they can be in the NBA? Is it just letting them know about the school, about the program? Which you know, How are you going to teach them not only to be better players, but be better people as well as they you know learn about themselves and try to get ready for the reality of life? After they graduate college, what's the biggest challenge you face trying to recruit solid players to Hofstra?
1: The biggest challenge I face will be these kids choosing between a high major or coming here and being a guy. A lot of these kids sometimes they want to go for the bright lights and go to you know St. John, C.N. Hall, or these high majors, you know, because of, because of their facilities and what these coaches are, are, are telling them. Uh meanwhile when they get there it's a whole different story. So that's my that's my biggest thing. I'm like listen, you can go somewhere and be part of the team at a high major or you can come here and beat the team and try to make it to that next level, whether it be the NBA or Europe or whatever it is, but you have to build your resume if you have aspirations to play professional basketball.
3: Guys, I, iconic point guards, iconic broadcasters like Jake Brown coming out of Hofstra. I mean, we only produce greatness. I mean, we have the number one college I radio station in the <laughs> nation. I mean, we we just produce greats, and that's what we do uh, out there in Hempstead. Speedy Claxon is joining us here for a few more minutes on the Big Apple Buckets podcast, the head coach of Hofstra men's basketball. I mean, you must have been itching for eight years speedy you were like move <laughs> the f over i want that seat eight years is a long ass time to be an assistant so i i give you credit because you were patient and you were young you know you were in your 30s as an assistant now you're in your 40s you're like uh, you know I'm, I'm just trying to get that a little bit a little bit bigger paycheck and be that head coach uh, and you know feed the family so i mean that's a big deal waiting eight years
1: um my time was going to come when it was going to come. I learned from, I was able to learn from Coach Mahalik, who's a great coach. He, he's been the head coach for a number of years. So yeah, my time was coming. We actually spoke about it years ago. I'm just thankful for the opportunity now. So no, nah, I was patient. I wasn't, I was, I was very willing. <laughs> Able to wait Coach Mihalik out.
0: Is this it for you, Speedy? Is this a destination job? I mean, you're, you're young. 42 is young. You can build something here with Hofstra and then potentially go on to maybe a bigger program eventually. Is, is that something that you want or you just want to build this program up the best you can and be here and retire here at this job as Hofstra head coach?
1: taking it year by year. This is the job I have now. I'm going to work hard at it to see what the future holds.
3: Well, you know we we've with, guys. If you don't know, we've been through a lot of hops. I was there. Some you know some kids went through some stuff. A coach had a DUI. No, you know, taking Uber, Speedy, whatever you do, no drinking yeah. driving. Let's not let's not have the Tim that's Welsh. Yeah, that's not even an option. Always Uber, Lyft wherever you go. Uh, how
1: about exactly. how
3: about Speedy winning an NBA championship? Now, Kerry Kittles hosts our Nets podcast, Full Court on Flatbush, and you had a big. I believe you did it in Game Six the game uh, to win yep. the series in San Antonio. You came off the bench and had a huge performance when you, you basically were mentoring the young Tony Parker and the Manu who at the time. And uh, that was a gutsy, gritty performance by you. You came back to beat the Nets and as the Nets were trying to get that first NBA championship, which they might do this year. Can you take us through that game six experience and you know how that's your big moment in your career winning a, ch- a championship?
1: Yeah, that was an amazing experience. Something that I would never forget for the rest of my life. You know, growing up and watching the NBA Finals, you know, like watching Michael Jordan, Maddie Johnson, Isaiah Thomas, you know, it was like almost shocking that I was there and to to not only be on the team but to actually be on the court when the game was being decided was just unreal. I still rewatch game six now and I still get goosebumps just because I'm like, wow, this is crazy. It's the NBA Finals, is. This is what you this is what you live for. And I got a chance to to compete in it and do well and I'll to forget it.
2: Did you ever have any conversations with Tim Duncan? I mean them real kind of good conversations about what it would take to get him excited or to show some like fire in the game. Did you did you ever take him back in the locker room and say, Look, Tim, I need you to bring me some like ah like did you ever have that with him?
1: It's it's, it's funny because he was he was mild mannered on the court. And he was the total opposite off the court. Like he was fun, engaging. Like he was a jokester. Like he was a big paintballer. I mean, it's it crazy that he was so quiet on the court because his demeanor off the court was totally opposite. Did he
2: ever? Did he ever take you to the uh, to to his car shop?
1: No, nah, I never got to go to the car shop. I heard he, he got a nice one.
3: And what were Manu and Parker like? Were they the same as, as Timmy off the court?
1: Uh, two great guys. Um, it was. They were both young. The profession at the time, Manuel had a wife and kids, so he spent a lot of time with them. Tony had a serious girlfriend at the time, but he 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 usually come out and he usually came out and hang out with us. You know, myself, Steve Jackson, and Malik Rose. We were probably the tightest out of everybody on the team, so we was. We would kind of hang out together a lot, and sometimes Tony, Tony will come by and chill with us.
3: It's so good to have you on the show, man. And, you know, remember, I, I did bring you a chicken parm hero before our game once I from know. Amore. I'm going to have to upgrade that to, like, caviar and steak now that you're the head coach. <laughs> I mean, chicken parm hero. I mean, I don't know if that's good enough, although uh, you, can, you can say it was pretty incredible. You didn't have it hot. You're going to have it hot after the game maybe, so you don't have to worry about
1: well, it. Well. I wanted to go when I got home. It was
3: yeah, you have to have it after the game, so you don't have to worry about a bathroom stop during the game. Uh, and get it out of the way when the game is over. Well, good luck this year at Hofstra. It's Speedy Claxton, Hofstra men's basketball coach, two-time America East Player of the Year, Haggerty Award winner, NBA champion, number ten is in the Raptors at the Mac in Hempstead. Good luck, as head coach. We will, uh, we'll see you uh, this fall, hopefully back in, uh, back in the arena.
1: Thank you. Appreciate it, guys.
0: Does it for us for episode 41, the Glenn Rice or Bruno Sundolf edition of the Big Apple Buckets podcast, our Knicks podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown, Brian Munguia for producing the show. Give Big Apple Buckets a five-star rating. Write a nice review on Apple Podcasts. It's easy. It's free. We appreciate the support. For JYD, Jerome Williams, I'm Sal Akata. We'll chat with you guys next Tuesday. Thanks for tuning in. Stay safe. And of course, let's keep it going, Knicks.